I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Guys, welcome back to part two of the Stompcast. I'm with David Gandhi walking through Richmond Park. It is a crisp day, but a beautiful day, and I'm really enjoying this walk. David, are you all right? Keep going. We've got a coffee in hand, and we're keeping going. Give me a coffee, so I'm very Ooh, happy we're, keep, we're keeping going, all right. <laughs> I, I want to hear a little bit about what it's like to go from someone who didn't necessarily intend to go into modelling, that's doing, you know, your own thing, you know, university, playing rugby, yeah. sport, yeah. into becoming, uh, you know, the, basically the face of Dolce and Gabbana. What was that like? How did you? Was it like a phone call? Like, hey, mate, we want you to confront this. An email in the manager's. Um, no, it well, work? it was. I mean, what we do, we we strategize quite a bit which probably a lot of other models don't don't do and I always have goals so I always do five-year goals um, and we were sort of in the the realms of me doing sort of a lot of commercial work catalogue work it's not what I wanted to do and I, I suppose when I do something I always strive to be the best at it and that was we were never going to uh, get that by, by doing catalogues or commercial work it was pretty well paid it was okay so I said to my manager at the time to Annie Anson this is not what I want to do. Um, and she said a lot of men would kill for what you're doing and the amount of work and the travel. I said, I just want, I want to work with best creatives. I want to, I want to leave a bit of a legacy really, at least like look at something that, you know, one campaign that I'm very, very proud of. So she said, okay, so we're going to have to completely change, we completely change the way you're perceived within the industry. Get away from the, the catalogue modelling. You have to give up everything. And my catalogue modelling, what do you mean by that for people listening? Well, if you, so catalogue is, there's a lot of, like Germany, so there's a lot of catalogue. So, like the old Next Directory, really. Yeah. That's catalogue modelling, which is very, you shoot 60 outfits a day. It's, there's no real creative behind it. Um, that must be draining, 60 outfits. Even the actual thing be, of changing. Yeah. It's just change, time. change, change, change. So you can imagine, you can't, you get a nice background, it changes. It, it, it's, it's, it's pretty pretty boring work and then Tandy sort of said to me to uh how to change it so and she always said to me David you're I think it's I think you're Dolce you're Dolce you're Dolce you're Dolce and everyone else was saying well I think you'd be better off a Marnie or Ralph or and she put out there and then we orchestrated a, a meeting with Dolce and Gabbana which was so Mariano Vivanco took my first ever headshots and it was his birthday and Tandy said David Gann has got to come to uh got to come pick up some airline tickets because he's traveling tomorrow all, all a lie he was just getting a room with yeah, Dolce yeah, sure, so sure. Uh, and this was five years after I worked with Dolce the first time so the first story of with Dolce is that I went to go and do the shows in Milan I did the Dolce show for the first time went back to the second season and no other brand picked me up no other guy they didn't want me walking because I was too big or it wasn't the look of the time Dolce did the second season I did go and I went to go and cast them. They said, hi, David, great. Now, what they do in Dolce is that they'll, they'll give you the Dolce haircut. They're the first show and then everyone is Dolce for the rest of the, rest of the show season. And what they do is kind of just like buzz the sides of your hair because mm. that's the creative they want on their catwalk. Um, so I went down and said, 
and they said, this is what we're going to do. And I said, guys, I'm, I'm on hold for a very big campaign. I had longer hair at the time, so, yeah. and they want this long hair. So Domenico and Stephanie said, David, like we understand, but this is how, this is how we want yeah. the creative. So basically two choices, cut your hair, do the Dolce show, don't cut your hair, leave. So I said, thanks very much, and I left. <laughs> what? And, um, That's chaos. Yeah, and then... So you basically were and like... And the irony no, behind this one, I didn't get the campaign either. I didn't get the, the other campaign I was up for. So it wasn't a great week. <laughs> That's um, a bad week, yeah. So, yeah. But you did then, your own thing, though. I think yeah, that did your own thing. And then five years later, I, I changed a lot, uh, looks-wise. So I sort of went from being a, you know, a little sort of skinny, younger-looking 20-year-old to 25, 26-year-old, and then got in room with Dolce, said hi to them again um it took about another three or four months from the agency then they came and said can you come and do the campaign in la uh, with steven myself said of course so i went to go and do the campaign that summer then went to go and do the show this time definitely did get my hair cut and um <laughs> and then my agent called me up and said we're starting to talk about fragrances and with dolce didn't know anything else didn't know creative didn't know it was like blue um, and fragrances still is, or is one of the biggest campaigns you can get. It's sure. what everyone wants. And I did the show. Was pulling a car, flown off to Naples. Still didn't know who was shooting. Didn't know quite creative. Absolutely nothing. Was on the boat the next day with Mario Testino, and then we shot Light Blue. Um, and that was the start of that, really. Because you did. Was it three? Those three campaigns on the Light Blue, wasn't it? In total, because it was so successful. We shot. Well, shot. yeah. No, we shot the. We shot the stills and we came back and did the the commercial. Um, and we've shot it virtually every three or four years since 2006. So, um, yeah, you're not seeing the same campaign. We just shot a, another one a few months ago as well. So that, that's, uh, that's continuing. What is crazy is that I still remember the light blue campaign. You're thinking like, you, know, you know what you were saying earlier, that sometimes now we, we don't think it's creative as much, like leaving a genuine dent on your brain mm -hmm. where you remember it. Like there's certain TV adverts, even 30 years later, you can remember like yeah. a certain, I don't know, Walker's Christmas or whatever. And like I, I, I remember that, yeah, that photo. I, I do. I remember stuff from my childhood. I remember a Halifax advert with a guy in a London loft with his dog and a cup of coffee. And he's like, he was the coolest guy. And I was like, yeah, I want to have a Halifax bank account. I mean, just, that's what I kind of remember. And, you know, if I said to you, um, you know, gorilla playing drums, you'd yeah, say probably yeah, campus. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah that's, exactly. That yeah, creative yeah, to absolutely. me. Absolutely, it's in your brain, isn't it? See but if you ever out. imagine now, going into a like, I've understood this, I've pitched ideas and people go, well, what are you talking about? But imagine creating that, going into campus and like oh advertising and saying, all right, guys, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a gorilla, gorilla playing, playing drums. drums. So like, <laughs> and it's for chocolate. Out. You would be, fuck, <laughs> it's out. genius. Is and we're still genius. talking about it. So, um, and that's what, going back to what we were talking in part one about that creative, that making that impact is now gone. You know, there's not those campaigns anymore. And I worry where we've, in the fashion industry, these brands and billion dollar brands have been built through creative and models and, uh, you know, these incredible campaigns and editorials. And we've got books from, you know, the, you know, the greatest photographers in the world. But are we going to have that in 10 years' time? What are we going to fill these books with? There's not going to be any campaigns or yeah. great editorials. And, and well, like your collections, Dolce and Gabbana, but the collections of the, the yeah, photos we did, did yeah, with absolutely. them. Like, we, did, we did the Dolce book. And uh, so what are we going to put in? Instagram posts? I don't well, know. I was going to... Because I, I find it very interesting. So I... Um, 
I guess, you know, I'm on the kind of new side of things where I'm on the Instagram and I have yep. so much of my campaign work about like mental health. That's all, yeah. all of it's through that medium and channel. And what's really interesting is that I've written, I'm t- I've written two books now. Um, uh, people are probably aware that I'm, I've kind of hinted that I've got a third book that I'm, I'm just <laughs> finished writing. Um, what is really interesting is the publishers, um, when we came to like promotion and marketing and yep. releasing the book, want a, wrong, a long lead time. And I said, look, guys, actually, there's no point telling people six months until it comes out, because they forget by then. Yeah. You need to do a month or three yeah. weeks. And it's like, oh my gosh, because like, God, we've always done long lead times. But actually, people's attention now oh, is so short. Like with the light blue yeah. one, like that goes out, and then it's just over, you know, it was Times Square and all that kind of stuff. It's out there for a long time now. A campaign that someone posts on Instagram with an influencer or whatever, for 24 hours, and it's not it's on done. your feed anymore. No, I know, yeah, absolutely. It's and just, that's changed the face of yeah. everything, hasn't it? Well, it has, and it's, I always call it a sort of disposable creative. It's just, it's, you know, instead of seeing one major campaign, you see that on a billboard, you see it on the TV commercial, you might be your favourite magazine, favourite paper, you see it in there, and you, you'll see a few of them. Now, you're seeing, I don't know, however many, in five minutes, you could go past 25 different campaigns or influencers, you know, selling something. Uh, and it's just disposable, we're just flicking through it. So. It still takes, I mean, Dolce, I, we shot, again, I was still working with Dolce and I, I did the eyewear campaign with, uh, with J-Lo, if you, I'll just go and pick that name wow. off the floor, yes, but, uh, with J-Lo. Up. But again, what I liked about that is it was Merton Marcus, two of the best photographers in the world, J-Lo, myself, Dolce, it was back to shooting these major campaigns and they were not worried about social media. Talk to me about Wellway. I've, I've got the hoodie on at the moment, and you know I always. Me too. So I, I'm quite critical of, of clothes and clothing brands that that, that you. I basically, I want the quality. Yeah. So when you're younger, I think you do just buy stuff, and it's a bit more of a fast fashion or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. I think the industry yeah. has changed now, but certainly, like when I buy something, I don't. I'm more interested in how it feels and how it looks, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I'm impressed because yeah. the shirt. I wear black tees. The team will know that's all I live in. Your black tees thick. Which is yeah. a good start. Now, how many crappy back tees I've worn that are like so thin you might as well not bother. Yeah, so what and are you, the hoodie's what are you nice the, as well. The ultimate, or yes. Are you in a, yeah. Yes, and it yeah. is. It is. It's comfortable yeah. and it's nice. So, talk to me about going from representing some of the biggest, biggest brands on earth to going right. I'm not going to start my own business because it's a very different space. Yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, I don't think people quite get that as a model. You are self-employed from day one. You, and uh, then I, I suppose I built my brand up. That was the thing, you know, I, I, the David Gandhi as brand, and yes. that was being, you know, that was 15 years in the making. So when people ask me now, how did you do that? Well, it's over 15 yes, years, sure. and uh, it was strategizing. It was five-year goals to where we wanted to do, you know, from. So light blue was incredible, still is incredible. I mean, Dolce still work together. I wouldn't be here without it. But that was the platform for me to then go on to do what I actually really wanted to do. And at that time I thought, okay, so the female supermodels, how do they get the contracts? How do they get the pay they do? How do they work? How do, why, you know, why are they so well known outside of the industry as well as inside the industry? And it was because you just knew their name. So you, if you said Cindy or Naomi or yeah, Kate. Sure. Yeah, sure. So I was like, right, so you, you have know. to have a name. Your name has to be recognizable. And, and worth something to a brand, and that's where I sort of differ. And so when I used to say to guys, well, why we're we working you know, 300 days a year for this, for all these different brands, yeah. when you could be exclusive for one brand, work five days a year, yeah. and be paid five times the amount. 
Yeah, wow. And they go, what? That just doesn't that wow. that doesn't happen. You you'll never get there. And I said, well, the female models have got there. Yeah. So why can't you? It was down to branding. So, and that's what we kind of did. Um, it's being loyal to very you know to brands. That's uh, I mean after of course with the Dolce campaign, there's a lot of brands that wanted me to then shoot for them. And you who, stayed loyal. Who had told me before that I wasn't right for them, and then there was. You know, a bit of gratification. I was going to say, they must have a bit of satisfaction. Well, well, uh, politely declined. I'm Dolce now, so um, that's why I'm very loyal. And and I've been very loyal to you. What a line that is. Sorry, I'm Dolce now. (laughs) That (laughs) that does sound a bit very wanky. (laughs) No, actually, I think it sounds fair enough. But but yeah, but you you basically are, and that's the loyalty to me. And a lot of models who were were very successful is they went to do Dolce, Armani, Valentino. They did them all. And of course, they exhausted all that within a one or two year period. Um, And then you were not the other brands so we've done uh it was a, a funny instance once where i was flown out to la to go and shoot um uh a champagne and uh scarlett johansson was the other other person so picking up yeah picked that one up <laughs> Got it. and uh picked the shit so and we had just shot dolce together anyway so we we got on got on set i said hi scarlett did you see dolce yeah we had a conversation anyway when things go quiet on set and no one looks you in the eye and speaks to you, you know there's something up. They don't come and speak to you. They just sort of leave you in the corner. And really? I, so after that, after like an hour, I was like, guys, should I not be, you know, getting ready or going on set? And they, they'd say, yeah, they'd just, just sit there, just sit there. Won't tell you anything. Anyway, my phone rang, which I was waiting for. It was my agent. And she said, hi, David. Um, yeah, they don't like the fact that you and Scarlett shot for Dolce and now you're going to shoot for this brand. And I said, but it's... Champagne, it's completely different. Yep, they just don't like it. So you're oh. off. So I went, okay. Which, Ben, oh yeah, my God. you can either say that two ways. Like, some people go, oh, I can't believe I'm not shooting this. And so I yeah. said, still getting paid because they couldn't, there was their decision to cancel. Yeah, sure. They yeah. should have done their research. I said, yep. I went, great. Okay. So goodbye. I went to the, the car rental, rented myself a nice car, drove down to Carmel. Oh, lovely. Had a lovely weekend and flew home. And uh, got paid for it and (laughs) thought, well, I haven't diluted myself to another brand. So my thinking was, well, I can now do another champagne brand. They were not going to be affected. That's a different way of thinking about it, really, than some people could have taken that to to offence. So it's almost like taking looking for positives out of situations. Like in a situation, oh, God, this... Because you could be like, what the hell, Naive, you know, you're wasting my time, I'm in this other place. But then you go, actually, do you know what? What's the positives here? There's plenty of them. We're trying to look at the positives. Right, so, um, yeah, and that's happened on a few occasions. I mean, uh, we were shooting for Hugo Boss once and I didn't fit the clothing and then it all went a bit quiet. <laughs> Again, I was putting a corner, waiting for the call, and my agent called me up and said, yeah, you don't fit any of the clothing. Why can't the they tell you in, when you're shooting? I always find that odd. Like, why didn't they come to say, it's like, David, by the way, it's just like, you literally, because <laughs> surely they're the people who are in the room with you, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Do they go outside? Um, do they then have to like go in the cold rain? Like there's like a little meeting ball? somewhere and they come back and they said, yeah. Can yeah. you see it happening? You're like, oh, okay, they're starting to hustle around. And right. I was like, yeah, fine. I was like, great, yeah. So you already you packed your bags. So Thanks fine. very much. Yeah, I'm <laughs> pretty much where it was. Yeah, so then going, so very important, I always think, to have a, a goal, uh, aspirational goal, uh, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to call it. Because otherwise, then I don't think you can strategize and maneuver because things don't always happen to plan but you know you've got to get to that goal. And that might come sooner, it might take a little bit longer, but that's where I wanted to be. So we started talking, a lot of brands that approached me about collaborations and wasn't quite right. Then I was started shooting for m so I love m 
British you know, institution, loved the team there, and did very well. And then they said, well, how about a collaboration? So I said, okay. So we started David Gandhi um, for MS, Autograph. So we went on to, uh, and usually collaborations last probably one or two years. Yeah. And we did six years, and I made MS. Um, well, we were doing revenue of nearly 20 million a year for MS. Um, yeah, I'm kind of pleased with that one, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I don't think they were. Six years. And, and we kind of, in that. Uh, so that ironically, was, uh, might have had a glass that champagne in the shop. <laughs> And that was like, it was eight years ago. So loungewear wasn't a, I mean, now it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a massive thing. Pandemic and everything else helped that, but. And guys wearing loungewear. Absolutely. Like so we, I mean, eight years ago, we were first to combine that sort of loungewear that could be worn more utilitarian outside. Yeah, sure. um, everything within M&S, I believed M&S should be premium. It should be attainable, but almost attainable high street luxury. Yeah. They were going the other way. Um, I started off wearing beautiful MS suits made in Puglia, unstructured, a table like absolute incredible quality. Yeah. And then by the end, they were sort of once they made me ambassador of tailoring, and I came in and said, guys, I'm really sorry, but I can't be ambassador to an 89 pound polyester suit. It's not what I, not well, Fair not play to you, because other, again, if there's a lot of people to pay a check's right, they will just go and do it, won't they? I'll say, um, fine, I'll do it. Maybe. That's up to the individual. I mean, I've, I've always sort of done that. You know, I've had offers of, uh, you know, ice creams, fizzy drinks, cigarettes, etc., etc. I've always said no because that's not what my brand stands yeah. for. And I you dilute yourself. I mean, in a different kind of way. I mean, it just, um, well, just, just bring in my experience. I, 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 you know, I came out of Love Island. A lot of people. There's no knock to anyone that does this, but they go and do. You know, people go and do club nights out and appearances yeah. and all that stuff and you know i was i think the most i was offered was about 15 grand to go to a club in a, for an hour and people go <laughs> you didn't go you're mad like think of the free booze let alone you know all the girls around and stuff like that. but I, for me i could not think of anything worse for me yeah. than go and do that in fact i would hate it so much and it was so against every bone in my body so i said no and realistically i probably could have made about half a million quid in a year going yeah. just to clubs in fact i could have done a circuit three or four nights a week and done nothing else and yeah. tucked away a load of money yeah. and actually in that year that i didn't do that i was earned hardly anything i literally was like oh my gosh i'm worried about the bills because i had to stick to the, the what i believed in yeah. and now you know i have built my own brands and things like that yeah. because i stuck to it and i think you know that is an important part of life isn't it learning to what are your values and almost going back to when you started well, out like imagine, yeah i could try and get skinny but this yeah, is actually me but imagine now the, the brand that you've created and the messaging you're giving across, going back and people going, well, you, know, you did half a year of going to clubs and <laughs> drinking and partying and yeah. it you not necessarily did that. But again, that's all going to be dredged yeah. up yeah, against sure. your brand now. So clever that you stood, you stood firm. But it's seeing that bigger picture, I think. That's, so, that's it's not being reactive immediately. And so did you see a space in the market? Was it kind of like, hang on, this is going this way and there's an opportunity that I can create something myself that actually does stick to my values? Is that, was that the kind of first Yeah, I mean, creating right? myself instead of, yeah, I think that, that was basically that I, I've, we could talk about clothes earlier. I buy clothes that last. I, I fast fashion, um, I don't mean, even talk about fast fashion. In, in, in many senses, one of them being that fashion production is one of the biggest polluters on earth. 
and that has wow. to change. Um, wow, yeah, that's crazy. And people buying, I was you know, put it out to people and say, so you bought a, a five pound t-shirt. So if you can imagine that that brand, the clothing brand with shops have got to go and make that item, probably made in India or Indonesia or somewhere else where people are getting paid very little in not very nice conditions. To make your t-shirt, you've got to ship that t-shirt over to the UK, you've got to put it in a shop, you've got all the overheads of shop gear, and you're still selling it at five pounds and you're still making a profit. Yeah. Now that has got to affect yeah, people. something going on A lot on of it, that's, that, that can't be done pretty much. Um, and I understand it and I understand, you know, this is why we try to, I kept everything at m as, as attainable as possible, you know, telling people these are going to last. And I've still got people to this day saying, where are your t-shirts? Um, and we used to sell, <laughs> so good. yeah, because they finally, after you know six years of wearing the five years wearing them there. Well, there's the test because I tell you what, if I because I will wear a shirt to the death. So mm. I, if I come back to you in six years, then then, then you'll know because I wear that t-shirt every well day. Wear, so so yeah. like, you know what, Alex is. So, <laughs> Alex so, so after after M&S, and that was you know, we we'd had a great eight years. That was a, that's r- rare in this industry. You know, collaborations usually one or two years. We've done six. It was time to part our ways and then, so I was talking to my best friend who's also into uh, financing brands and uh, personal equity of, of brands. He started a, a branding agency. And then he said, why don't we start it together? With David Gandhi Wellwear. It wasn't called Wellwear at first, there were a few names. But then we were, I said, but we need to change this creative. We're not doing loungewear now yeah. because we did loungewear. So we, we need to change that narrative. So what are we doing? What, what, what is the next step? What's, what is out there in clothing that, that I don't know about? Materials and, and everything was based around positivity. The positivity of shopping on the website, the positivity of knowing of being sustainable, the positivity of knowing that as a team we have looked at every element from the design to the fabric. The textures. To and the textures, like to making sure that the t-shirts are made in by the people in good conditions in Portugal that the factories are you know, as sustainable as possible. Yeah. All these different things, we've, we've ticked all the boxes. Well, you can now have clothing that uh, is, is also basically wellness. So you've got Wellwear Care, which is antibacterial, anti-odor. And with that is you need to wash your clothes less. So there's your sustainable issue. So right. washing clothes is terrible for clothes, you're gonna wear them out. Because uh, every quicker. time you wash your clothes, you are, you're, gonna, you're reducing that shelf life, aren't they? You are, and if, and if you have got polyesters or uh, hopefully recycled polyesters, and every time you wash it, then you've got plastics washing out of the, the materials. Oh, God, yeah, you don't think of that, do you? Like, so, you know, uh, no, so then you've, so we're trying to, of course, we then made, we, we use natural cottons, uh, organic cottons, and there's a better cotton initiative, cottons that we used um, in our clothing. And then we, and then it moved on. And I said, well, what can we do with, with the lounge and pajamas? And you can have a treatment in there that lasts up to from 60 to 100 washes, which is an aloe vera, which moisturizes your skin whilst wearing the clothing. And we've, we've just released our um, Wellwear um, Restore, which is a uh, infrared treatment within the clothing. So it absorbs the heat from your body and then it, um, it releases back out from the material, which is in, in uh, infrared. And I've had infrared treatment on my shoulders from training and it's worked. So it's restorative and wow. it helps blood flow and everything else. So 
when we're talking about well-wear and people are trying to pigeonhole us, say, what, what are you? Are you a sports brand? Are you a lounge brand? Are you this? And I said, we're well-wear. We yeah, are a new category sense. of clothing. Do you know, because as I think, listen to that, some people go, oh, well, you know, do you need that stuff on your clothes? Why does it matter? If you have ever had irritation of your skin or rashes from your laundry or clothes, and I've had it where I've had a T-shirt, I've had to worn it, I've gone like, this is making me itch for whatever reason, yep. <laughs> and you get rid of it, you, you know how... How, much, how important it is to your skin because you you know our skin isn't just this like barrier that's impenetrable like everything you put on your skin affects not just the layer of the skin but yeah, it absorbs yeah. things that yeah. you know so what you put on your skin is important i mean yeah. a lot of, i've the number of times as a doctor i've seen people come in and going oh god i've got this constant like this rashes i've got here everywhere mm. i said right what are you what clothes are you using what what are the materials what are you putting in your washing and they go oh yeah whatever so listen go and try those things mm. and come back if it doesn't change and they don't come yeah. back because yeah. they go and look at it and go, actually, when I'm pouring this cheap detergent in or whatever it is or yeah. whatever clothing it is, yeah. it does actually affect my skin. Because you put it on, you put yeah. it on your skin yeah, yeah. probably for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Well, Alex, if you also think when, you're, when things are made of polymer or polyester, it's a plastic. It's not breathable. It's a carcinogen. Really. <laughs> That's what we're saying. So you imagine, like, do you want to cover yourself in plastic today? You go, uh... So it wouldn't make sense to anyone. But again, it's understanding about materials well, fairness, so a lot of people and this is no judgment to anyone but a lot of people wouldn't know what a polyester is and that's fair no, if you're not in that industry poly- you wouldn't yeah, know you wouldn't no, know no, people go what's the difference between cotton and, and polyester i mean that'd be like it was a basics what is the difference between cotton and polyester well cotton's like a natural fabric and polyester is a man-made fabric um and it's cheap and it doesn't break down and that's exactly and the fact that it doesn't break down is cheap and is the reason that a lot of when people are cutting costs of clothing or not just clothing actually yeah. it's bed linen it's anything yeah. that is essentially a material but there are i mean we look we're not saying that we are fully sustainable no brand can absolutely mm. say that um we're, we're we're doing our best and we're we'll keep on striving to make it even more sustainable yeah um, I, do, I do find it slightly difficult when people say we are sustainable, and you see a green tick there, because I think anything that is a consumable product can't be sustainable. No, yeah, I mean it truly. is. So I mean, now we went into swimwear, and I've, I've been trying to you know, break. There's there's a cycle that I believe in that you can break, and the, you know, even if you're you're pulling a lot of brands pull uh, plastics out of the ocean and make clothing with it, still left with the plastic. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to break down. It doesn't. It takes hundreds and you know fifty to hundred years to break down on landfill. So obviously from swimwear we looked at this and then we found a material in Italy which is uh, biodegradably enhanced, uh, still a polymer, but if it's found on landfill, which a lot of clothing ends up in, it breaks down in two or three years. Oh wow, that Doesn't changes the game. Years. So it's absolutely fine washing, obviously swimming, when you're wearing it. Yeah, but it's, it's not as prag no. shorts, is it? You, know, you put the ones on and you go in the sea and uh, it's just see the toss yeah, of a friend just stitch you right up. Yeah. I got that, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> that would be very impressive. So, that's, that's, so that's, how, that's how the way we looked at it, is breaking that cycle of how things are broken down. Um, and I just think it's, it's slightly thinking outside the box, really. There's uh, the same for everything you're looking at with sustainability. And people, I mean, interestingly, going completely off on a tangent, you might be interested on, on, as a car guy, I was speaking to a guy in the UAE last week uh, who's he's going to supply P1 fuels for yes. F1. Yeah. And this, is, this is a carbon neutral fuel. So I said, well, how does it work? So I said, it still releases carbon. He said, yes, but we out. make the fuel. Yes. 
using carbon. Yes, you pull it literally the circle of the simplified circles, you're pulling carbon effectively yep. in the atmosphere. Yep. You're using lots of clever science to combine it into uh, with other with hydrogens and whatever to make you a are. fuel. Yeah. And then the net thing that comes out of your car makes it equal to what you've yeah. put and in. It can be all developed in you're, you're not in hot countries with warm climates with solar. So the whole thing can be developed with solar. Whole, whole thing powered by solar. Yeah, that's so, what's incredible, isn't it? You can even the process can be created to be yeah. renewable. We'll we'll finish off there for part uh, two. Thank you so much, um, everyone that's uh, been stomping. I hope you've enjoyed it. We are we're in a crisp day here, and it's been so nice. So uh, enjoy the rest of your walk and go on to part three if you're ready now. And if not, we'll see you very soon. Goodbye.